Welcome everyone to the 79th episode of the New Gen Mindset Podcast. I'm Dan Kozell here with Nick Tartaglia. Nick, what's up, man? <laughs> Honestly, um, just watching the uh, the political chaos kind of going crazy still and starting to uh, notice a lot of uh, conversations more and more, which will relate a little bit more to the, sp- the subject of the episode, but that like you have these institute, these uh, consulting institutions, think tanks starting to recommend or starting to put out memos to G20 organizations in relation to the lack of commodities and certain minerals needed to have this whole geopolitical push towards green initiatives and, and this expansion electrification. But like, again, the subject goes back to everything we, we like to talk about is the lack of supply. There's a huge gap right now, too, um, particularly with green and metals, um, graphene, graphite, copper, zinc. I mean, it's just there's an endless list of shortages. And I think I don't know how many corporate presentations we've seen where there's a graph talking about the gap between supply and demand of all these charts. And it's like it's already engraved in my mind. So I think we kind of get the picture. But um we uh, we we spoke with one of the founders and the chairman at the time, uh, and he still is there, Francis Dubé, uh, with uh, Zen Graphene was the company back in October of 2020. I believe the stock was trading at 70 cents at the time. Um, and the company was focused primarily on creating uh, nanotechnology with their ZenGuard coated masks. And it was timely too with what, what was going on with COVID. Um, and that just proved to be a very cost-efficient tool for hospitals and doctors to use. Um, what we wanted to do here today is provide our listeners with a quick update. And again, we just want to be abundantly clear. This is not investment advice. Mm-hmm. This is just for information purposes only. But um, with us here today, um, he's actually the chief executive of the newly branded Zentech uh, company or Zentech Corporation, um, formerly known as Zen Graphite. Um, We've got him on the podcast here today. He's a seasoned Bay Street veteran. Um, he's been you know, his career spanned about 30 years, both with National Bank, Scotiabank, um, and now he's acting as an advisory board member uh, for a lot of corporations. But he's, you know, he's manning the ship here side by side with Francis Dubé. Welcome uh, to the New Gen Mindset podcast, Greg Fenton. Uh, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So, Greg, before we're going to get into the subject of graphene and uh, and the pro- the work you guys are doing now, we just want to get to know you a little bit better. So, just give us a little bit of backstory your history and just how you got, how you got into this company? Well, uh, the, the, the backstory is pretty interesting. So my background has been in finance. Most of my career, uh, as you uh, uh, alluded to at the top of the show has been on Bay street. I've been on both the buy and sell side of the street. Um, I was uh, primarily working on the investment management side. I had a, my own business. I was actually living in Barbados, uh, working on uh, financial optimization. I was invested in a company called Zenyatta uh, Ventures. It was a nickel, copper, gold play. They were, were looking for nickel, copper, gold in Northern Ontario. They found a very unique form of graphite. This is going back about a decade. I became an investor in the company. Uh, The company at the time, electrification was just at the very, very early stages. So we knew there was gonna be a need for more graphite going forward. And obviously this was a graphite play in Ontario. So I invested in it purely as an investor, passive investor, got to know a bunch of great people. Fast forward about six or seven years, the company um, 
continued to move forward, but maybe not at the pace that I wanted it to. So um, I divested myself of, uh, of my investment in uh, uh, Zenyatta at the time. But some of the people I got to know became really close friends. And they knew that this was a very unique asset that wasn't probably being um, uh, advanced in the method that it should be. So we actually decided to launch a proxy battle to change, to, to basically remove the board, remove the management and change the direction of the company and focus on this new and emerging sector known as the graphene sector. And all graphene is, graphene is just the, uh, a single layer of carbon atoms. So you've all, everybody's heard of graphite. All graphite is, is millions of layers of carbon atoms stacked together. The importance of graphene is when you peel off those individual layers, they take on really, really amazing characteristics. And I'll talk about that in a minute. So we wanted to change the board, put in a new focus on graphene and developing the intellectual property or the technology around graphene, getting graphene to work in applications. We launched the proxy battle, we were successful, we took over the company, recapitalized it, and changed the direction towards focusing on graphene technologies. And that's what we've been doing for the last five years. And now I'm very happy to say we actually have products that are being commercialized. Nice. It was it was an interesting discussion too with uh, Francis the first time because you know I think Nick and I had no idea what graphene was. Mm -hmm. We just like we're like, what is this new material? And the practical use of it right now. Um, I think we're only starting to see the tip of the iceberg of how big of a scope this is on top of the shortages of materials uh, that are out there, essentially. So can you tell tell us what you did, I guess, over the last you know five years? Because I think it was since 2018, really, since the company was founded. Um, what have you guys learned throughout this process? That's the first question. And then the second question is, what is the opportunity as a graphene company to be a leader in this space, particularly with the way that you guys have established relationships with many of the you know, influential uh, people in the, in the industry. Interestingly enough, when we started focusing on graphene technologies, there still wasn't uh, an industrial process for producing graphene at scale. And that was the big issue. You could produce graphene in a laboratory, you could produce it at bench scale, so you could, you could get the material into products and, and show that you know, it was enhancing their performance. Graphene, for, for those that don't know what graphene is, again, it's a single layer of carbon atoms, but it's 100 times stronger than steel. It's more conductive than copper for heat and electricity. It's bendable, it's stretchable. It's got a very large surface area. So you can do many, many different things with graphene, but the issue was you couldn't get it at commercial scale. So there was some R&D going on in the space and that's what we looked at and we thought there was gonna be a great opportunity for us to start investing in different research projects that were focused on graphene. So we actually partnered with a number of universities across Canada and the, in the United States. We actually work with 120 researchers 
in North America developing graphene applications. What we do is we allocate capital to these universities. We take advantage of non-dilutive financing through various government programs so we can create a budget to develop technologies. When we do that, then we can actually own the, because we fund it, we can actually own the intellectual property behind it. So we started investing in numerous different technologies. We started looking at the cement sector initially, concrete. We were looking at uh, conductive polymers. We were looking at uh, alloys. Uh, we were looking at a whole host of different areas. We we're looking at battery technology. Then the pandemic hit. And when the pandemic hit, all of our research capability got shut down. So we had to basically uh, do any research in our own laboratory. And we had a number of scientists, but not the 120. We decided to focus on uh, a, a technology that could potentially help with the COVID-19 pandemic. I mentioned earlier that graphene has a very large surface area. So what we thought was that we could take an antimicrobial agent and dope the surface of graphene. And we thought if we could get that into a coating, we could take that coating, apply it to personal protective equipment, and we could actually uh, play a role by killing the COVID virus. We went down that path, we developed a, a, an antimicrobial coating. We saw it was very, very effective against the COVID virus. We got 99.9% uh, efficacy against COVID. We tested it against bacteria and fungi. It worked against all of those. Uh, we did tr a tremendous amount of safety testing. Uh, we did uh, lab testing on it. We were able to demonstrate that the, the, the coating was not only great at killing these pathogens, but it was also very safe. Then we went down the path of getting Health Canada approval, which we received in 2021. So that is really in a nutshell, our, the, the power of graphene, taking it, looking at a need in the market, creating an application for it, taking it all the way through to regulatory approval. And then we ultimately received our patent on this formula, uh, formulation in December 2022. So we have a product now, we have the right, we own the rights to it for 20 years, we're protected. That's our business model in a nutshell. We developed the IP, now we're commercializing it in the marketplace. You know what's fascinating about the, uh, the whole graphene space, especially as a commodity, is the fact that it's so malleable in its utility. You can apply it to so many different functionalities and solve all kinds of different problems. And going back to, you know, that was just a perfect example of how it solves a problem within the health space. And then there's also the off, uh, before the show started, you were mentioning two other types of projects you guys are working on, which, again, it's not necessarily the same type of industry or field, but it has its own application utility that it can do far, it can do a lot of innovative work in that environment too. And tell us about those two other projects. Sure. We have, uh, we probably have over a dozen projects that we're working on in total. So that was an example of it as an antimicrobial agent. Uh, the one application I mentioned was putting it on personal protective equipment, mm -hmm. but it can also be utilized in HVAC filters. Uh, HVAC, everybody has an HVAC system in their home, in any building you work in, in a school. Anytime you're in, indoors, there's going to be an HVAC system that's filtering the air. So what we recognized very early on was that this coating could actually be applied to HVAC filters as well because it was made from the same underlying material as a, as a surgical mask. We started that testing 
about a year and a half ago, we started working with the government of Canada through a government-sponsored uh, program, a call for proposals for uh, creating solutions to improve indoor air quality. We started testing with the National Research Council of Canada in January of last year. That program took a full year, but we actually demonstrated that when you put our coating onto HVAC filters, we can improve viral and bacteria filtration efficiency by almost 500%. So a 5X improvement in removing pathogens out of the air. So again, you've got this coating that can be utilized in personal protective equipment, but the very same coating can be utilized in your HVAC system at home to clean out pathogens. We can also use the same compound to treat skin conditions. Again, we've proven that it's safe. It's very effective. We've done some very early testing on it. It's safe on skin and it actually works on conditions like uh, dermatitis. It works on uh, eczema. It works on psoriasis. It works on age spots. So it truly, again, just showing the breadth of what graphene can do. And that's just one compound. We have other compounds to your point, Nick, we've, we've, we've created a compound in the anti-corrosion space. So it's a different formulation on the surface of the graphene. We put different materials on it. We add it to existing paint systems and it substantially improves the anti-corrosive qualities of that paint system. We worked on this for almost two years. We did our own internal testing, then we've had it third-party validated now, and it's one of the best anti-corrosive paint systems potentially in the market. And we've just won a Government of Canada challenge, again, to demonstrate this to the government, and if we're successful, they become a potential customer of ours. So it's really, you can basically look at anything that needs improving, you can add graphene to it and it'll make it better. So we've got uh, an antimicrobial, we've got an anti-corrosion, we've got an ice phobic coating, we've got a fire retardant coating that we're working on, a fuel additive. So you name it, graphene probably can play a role in it and make it better. I'm just thinking, I'm putting my investor hat on here because the the scale of opportunity that is going to be available once this does come to even bigger scale, right? Because you guys have been working on all these projects for, for a few years, and there's other ones here that, like you said, you're partnering with universities. What's great about the government of Canada, Nick and I would agree with this, is you know if you guys, if there's a problem that is on their list that you can provide a solution to solve, they'll help you fund it. So they've really been a close partner with you guys. How else um, has it been to work with the government side by side, knowing that you guys are actually at the forefront of basically disrupting a lot of the commercial industrial spaces and even real state for that matter, right? Like, I'm just thinking like you, you, you put your technology in an HVAC and like an industrial building or maybe a multifamily. I mean, that's going to create some form of cost savings as well at some point, right? Huge cost savings. And, and you're right, Dan, there's a, there's a couple things to, to discuss in your, in your point there. Cost saving, because it, when we went through the pandemic, what we learned was that pathogens travel in aerosolized droplets, either a cough droplet or a sneeze droplet. And what was happening was existing HVAC systems weren't meant to filter out pathogens at that size, okay? Existing HVAC systems were great at filtering out particulate. 
dander, dog hair, dust, but they weren't the specifically designed for pathogens. So somebody would go near an intake filter for, uh, for an HVAC system, they would cough or sneeze, they would have COVID, it was getting drawn into that system and then spread to a much wider audience. And those were called mass spreader events. So the CDC, the Center for Disease Control came out and said that you need a very, very high rated filter. It's, it's known as a MERV-13 filter. And all that means is the pores are very small in it in order to filter COVID out of the air. Well, 90% of the buildings, the homes, any, anything that, that you use an HVAC system are using a MERV-8. It means the pores are very big and COVID and other pathogens can get through it. The problem with going to a MERV-13, to your point, Dan, is that there's substantial increase in energy required to push the air through a MERV-13. As well, it's putting more stress and strain on the HVAC system, so you're having higher maintenance cost. As well, a MERV-13 filter is two to three times more expensive than a MERV-8. So this really wasn't uh, a very attainable solution for most parties. What our coating does, we can apply our coating to that MERV-8 filter that you have in your house right now, and we improve the filtration efficiency by 500%. So huge, huge cost saving. So that's the first point, and that's the beauty of our coating, and there's no other coating like it in the market that we're aware of, is that it's simple, it can go into almost any system, and the increased cost is minimal relative to having to go to a MERV-13. So that's the first point I'd make. The second point you asked about was working with government. How has that process been? And it's funny, at the beginning, when we started out and we started talking about graphene and graphene technologies, there's probably dozens of companies out there that were approaching government with similar ideas and concepts, and it's really hard to get traction. But we have a tremendous government relations team, and they continued to keep our technologies in front of government, making sure they were aware of what we were doing. And we continued to advance our technologies to the point where they became um, a, a reality. So we had the data to support them and government has been an invaluable partner for us now to be able to bring these forward. They've, to your point, they, they've, they've helped us fund some of these projects. They're working side by side through the Innovation Solutions Canada process that we went through testing it for HVAC. Now we have the opportunity to sell our filters or our, 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 the coat, put our coating on filters that are going to the government. Um, they actually have the opportunity to be a client, a client. So we're going through that process right now. Similarly, with the anti-corrosion coating that we're working on, they've been tremendous partners. So the government is there to facilitate the development of new technologies. And you probably noticed from Innovation Solutions uh, Canada, they've announced a new program last week where they're going to continue to help small companies develop and protect intellectual property. So the government of Canada has done a tremendous job. Even the, the Ontario government and some of the municipal governments are also trying to go down this track as well. So it's a really, really great time for Zentech. I think we were a little early, you know, three or four years ago. But now that we've got these technologies, we're right in the sweet spot and ready to scale this up substantially now. Now, can you... Can you, like, we're going to deviate a little bit from the utility side of it. And I just want to discuss a little bit more on the operational side where you guys just announced your, um, basically the spinoff of your uh, graph, uh, your asset. 
and just to understand the, the, the reasoning behind that and what you plan on doing in terms of that relationship. Sure. So uh, as I mentioned earlier, this company was initially uh, a mineral exploration company, and they discovered this wonderfully unique graphite deposit in Northern Ontario, near Hearst, Ontario. Very, very large deposit, high quality material. It was actually, uh, it, it's, it's very unique in its origin. It was actually formed from the Earth's mantle, so through a magmatic event. So basically, uh, CO2, carbon dioxide, and methane CH4 came together. You can think about it in a, 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 almost like a volcano and shot up through the host rocks into two pipes, flash froze in those pipes. That's important because that happened very quickly at very high temperature and pressure. So it burned off a lot of the impurities. 99% of the, the graphite on planet Earth is formed through a sedimentary process, meaning uh, carbonaceous material. So plants and animals die, decay over time through heat and pressure. They got, get compacted together and it turns into graphite. The problem with that type of graphite is anything in the environment around it also gets intercalated into that process. So the flakes are very dirty. They've got, you've got to go through a process to clean them up and liberate them. We've got very, very small flakes, very, very pure, and they're very, very easy to exfoliate into graphene. So this was the graphite deposit that was discovered in 2010-2011. We remember when we came on, we took over and really wanted to change the focus to developing intellectual property behind getting carbon graphene to work in applications. So we weren't focused on developing the graphite deposit because there wasn't huge demand for it at that point. But you had mentioned early, right at the top, Nick, that there's this real focus now because of the geopolitical backdrop, what's going on over in Asia, what's going on you know, with, with China and Russia. There's a real focus on domestic supply chains now, particularly with electrification, battery metals, and who has one of the largest, highest purity graphite deposits in North America? Zentech does. So the pendulum is swung right back around where the asset now is back in vogue. So investors look at us and they say, well, are you an IP company, an IP development company, or are you a mining company? Well, we're an IP development company, but we have this hugely valuable asset that is now back in demand and in need. So for, for to, to unlock value for investors, we thought it would be better if we could take the asset, put it into a separate company and develop the mind, develop the, the play that way, rather than have it on our balance sheet and having to dilute investors in Zentech Let's create a new entity. Let's raise capital in that new entity and move the project forward that way. Then we can partner with, with miners or who's ever going to help us in that development process. So that was the thought process because then we can get, we can ascribe an actual value to it. We will know it will actually trade in the marketplace. So we'll be able to know what that asset's worth. And it, it removes a lot of those hurdles from other groups to come in and, and help develop the and move the project forward. So that was the thinking behind it. It's a way to unlock value for shareholders. 
Yeah. And I think it really just comes down to JVs with miners, right? When, if you can get like a JV partnership with somebody that can combine and kind of build that asset for you guys, it's, it's a really smart approach. Um, looking at your balance sheet, the, um, very little debt. I think that's really good. And you guys seem to be fully funded at this point in time. I think one of the main things that maybe investors might want to be able to, to know is what's it going to take to start seeing some kind of significant revenue? I'm sure you've been asked this many times, right? But the loss per share, that's obviously been decreasing every single quarter. So there's obviously been a lot of great uh, you know, efficiencies that you guys have built and, and, and you've really... You've really gone out of that. So, so like, when do you guys anticipate as an organization to start seeing significant revenue, and what is that going to look like in terms of like a potential product portfolio? Sure. So, so we did a, a substantial raise just about a year ago. It was a year ago, January, we raised thirty-three million dollars uh, Canadian, and that that was opportune because markets were right at the high when when we actually raised that money so it was a good time for us to actually take advantage of of the capital markets and we wanted to raise enough money to be able to build out the infrastructure required to produce our zengard material so we 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 built out a commercial production facility in Guelph, Ontario. So we can produce 26 tons of this material per annum. We also put in an industrial spray system. The, the Zengard line was about uh, a little over $3 million. The, the coating line was just under $3 million. So we're in for $6, 7000000 million in CapEx. So that was a big spend for us, a big investment for us. We also purchased our R&D lab in Guelph, and that was uh, about two and a half million dollars for that. So we 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 did spend um, you know a, a fair amount of that money in capex projects, but then we wanted enough money to give us the runway to be able to commercialize these pro- products and get to cash flow positive. Right now, we're sitting with just under $17 million on our balance sheet, and we think that'll be more than sufficient to get us to that point. Um, as I said, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, Zengard on HVAC, we're expecting to get regulatory approval for that uh, later this year. We've got an application in here, both in Canada, and obviously the compound's already been approved by Health Canada for, for surgical masks. So we can take most of that data and utilize it for the use in HVAC systems. We've also started the uh, regulatory process in the US through the Environmental Protection Agency, EPA. Once we have those, we are already seeing significant demand for this product in the market, okay? But we have to have regulatory approval to be able to sell it. We are working with a number of HVAC uh, manufacturers right now, HVAC filter manufacturers. Um, they're, they're looking at it, testing it. We're working on different formula- formulations, optimization of, of coating thicknesses, et cetera. So we think that we should be in the market later this year with that. And based on what we're seeing right now, we think that should take us to uh, being cash flow positive on a run, on a, on a run rate basis. And it's interesting because you have a lot of, you have a big pipeline of uh, functionality projects coming into play. And just to go out there, like, are there any wild kind of creative projects in progress or that are just at the beginning phases that you haven't mentioned that is just, that just shows the incredible uh, utility of a graphene? 
Well, I, I did mention our Zen, our Zen armor, which is our anti-corrosive mm-hmm. coating. The nice thing about that, it doesn't require regulatory approval. So we've demonstrated it. We've third-party validated that coating, that pigment. It's a nano pigment that we actually put into existing systems to make them better. We've had that third-party validated. Now it's starting to work with actual end users to test it in their application. I was talking to uh, somebody in the Canadian military, and they told me the three most important for th- things that they're working on right now are corrosion, corrosion, and corrosion. Corrosion is a massive issue, massive issue for ships, for bridges, for cell towers, for power lines, for you name, for, for oil refineries, you name it, corrosion's a big issue. It's just getting your product to those end users and having them willing to uh, test it and then adopt it. So again, that one could be very quick to market. I don't wanna make any promises on mm-hmm. it because we're very early stages here, but that one could be in the market very quickly. We've been working on an ice phobic coating. Again, it's another coating that you put on a surface that doesn't allow ice to accrete to it. Might not mean thing for people in Southern climates, but up here where you have wind turbines that ice up in the winter and then you can't use them to generate power, power lines, drone blades, airplane wings, Uh, on ships. You can think of lots and lots of different uh, use cases for an ice phobic coating. We've been testing that at the Government of Canada through the NRC as well, National Research Council of Canada. We have almost two years of data on that. And the, the, uh, the, the, the numbers that we're getting on that are, again, best in class. They are absolutely spectacular. That is something, again, when you're talking about utilizing it for airplanes, that Um, approval process will be a much longer window for safety reasons, but getting it onto a wind turbine, that could be relatively quickly. And we're actually working with uh, a a wind farm operator right now. We're we're working on testing it on blades. We're working and testing it in drones. So there's two more applications. We're working on a, a fire retardant coating. So actually you can put, again, doping the surface of graphene with something else. You put it into a paint and it actually doesn't allow the underlying substrate to burn. Wood won't burn with our coating on it. Plastic won't melt with our coating on it. So it's the, 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 the potential uses for this are absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. We've got one, just one other one that I'll mention is uh, a fuel additive. So you can actually dope the surface of graphene oxide with uh, another agent, put it into fuel. It actually makes the fuel burn more efficiently. You actually get increased energy out of that droplet of fuel that burns. And because it's burning more efficiently, it reduces greenhouse gases. So you're getting more energy with less pollution. So the future for graphene is literally limitless. The wild, wild west. Honestly, our biggest issue is resource allocation. We have so many things to be working on right now. That's why the partnerships with university is a great way for us to fund some of that research, take some of the load off our existing team while we continue to commercialize ZenGuard and Zen Armor. Well, it also serves as a potential recruiting tool for you guys as well, because you're going to need sort of the the people that, again, I'm thinking really long-term here, eventually when you get to scale and you start commercializing and whatnot. So it, it's super interesting. Um, I want to just ask maybe uh, if there has been discussions about what's been going on 
in Ohio, for example. I mean, we saw what happened the last few weeks with, you know, the train basically exploding. There's all this chemicals going into the air. Is that going to serve as a potential case study as a more opportunities to prevent things like that from happening? I know it's a really generalist question, but I just want to know what your thoughts are in particular. Maybe you can just share what, what, what the team has been focusing on on that. No, you're, you're, uh, you, you hit another one on the head there. One of the big issues, not so much what happened in Ohio, but you hear about uh, lithium-ion battery fires, right? The battery cells, they heat up, they catch on fire, then it basically destroys the car. Well, one of the things that we are looking at is taking our fire retardant coating and potentially coating the inside of the chamber that houses the battery in an electric car. Because with fires, it's literally minutes that count, right? So if you can prevent that fire from taking hold for an extra two or three minutes in a car, it's going to allow people to get to safety. Mm -hmm. Or in a house, if it's in the paint on your wall and there's a fire being exposed to it and the wall's not catching on fire because of that, it's going to allow people to get out of the house. So we are exploring those things right now. Something like a fire retardant coating needs to be safety rated and certified. So again, that one's going to take a little bit longer, but we are very excited about it based on the initial feedback uh, from the, the partners that we're working on and developing that are, that are testing this right now. So we do, Dan, and I think that's where you're going with this. You look at what's going on in the world and you see opportunities and then think about, wow, is there a way that graphene can play a role in, in helping mitigate some of those issues and problems? Yeah. It's interesting because you can just basically you're creating an insulin to paint and you're just allowing whatever the, whatever problem occurs, you can keep it insulated within that confined area and it allows different opportunities or you could detach your trail or you can get out of the car, you get out of the house, or it just, it just allows time to be on your side. That's right. And that, and that's the key, as we know, in fires, every minute counts. Mm -hmm. And we have a wonderful video on our uh, website where we demonstrate our fire retardant coating. We actually show an uncoated piece of wood and another piece of wood coating, uh, coated with our uh, fire retardant coating, blowtorch on it. The one goes up, the, the one without the coating goes up in about a minute. The other one after two or three minutes, it's got a big char on it and you scrape it off and the wood underneath hasn't been touched. It's uh, it's pretty powerful. As as I say in the video, a picture is worth a thousand words and it mm -hmm. really is. Totally. No, it's it's super fascinating with the, the potential, like the, the, the addressable market is massive here. Mm -hmm. um, I love to see insider buying. I think that's great. That just shows that management and is bought in and aligned with investors. Maybe just talk a little bit about the share structure, particularly. Um, I noticed that it is a pretty retail investor type of type of name. It is. It's a, it is primarily retail right now. Uh, we do think that that uh, that will start uh, moving into the institutional space this year. Unfortunately, 2022 was a very very tough time in capital markets, as you know, and any uh, you know institutional money was not focused on growth stories or stories with potential. It was really value play for most of the year. I think we're starting to see capital markets stabilize a little bit, not saying they're going straight up from here, but you're going to start seeing, um, you know, risk allocations go up again. And we think there'll be, 
you know, obviously uh, institutions are looking for cash flow, and you touched mm -hmm. on that a little earlier. And given that we should be generating, uh, you know, significant cash flow later this year, we think there's going to be, uh, you know, a real awakening to our story by the institutional crowd uh, later on uh, in 2023. Yeah, there's, you know, so like if, if you think of the general markets, a lot of the opportunities that exist are, well, I, you know, we often say that in general sense, the only real opportunities you can kind of see or observe in the market are kind of within the commodity space and the resource space and its applications and stuff like that. And this also being kind of related to the space, it's a new, it's a new class commodity. It's, it's not easy to find. It's not as pure everywhere. And it's kind of brand new in terms of trying to apply it to the real world. So you know, and you have government regulations, you have a lot of politics kind of driving capitals into these ecosystems. So as an investor, it's it's appealing to see that there's that you can also focus on science and innovation within the commodity space because it's an extension arm onto it. So you there's there's value in this space. That's right. And 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 that's that's why we like to think of it as a barbell. We've got the Albany asset, the graphite asset that people can look at, you can touch it, you can play with it. There's huge demand coming into that sector. There's lots, and, and you talked about the supply demand curves earlier. We, we look at the same data. That's why we're excited about it. And this is the time to, to spin it out and actually get the project moving forward. So you've got that aspect of it. And then you've got the intellectual property. And that's where you can get the real leverage built. The huge margins are associated with intellectual property because we own it. Nobody else can use it. It's up to us to license it out. And then that way we can create significant margins on our products going forward. And that's the really attractive thing. That's what attracts the highest multiples in the market. As you know, the higher the margin, the higher the multiple. So that's why when we start generating this cash flow, we think it's going to be a, you know, a, a, I think it's going to be a very, very nice surprise for people, um, the, the Zentech story going forward. Listen, it's a, it's a really nice cap structure as well. And I mean, any company that's got less than 120 million shares is, is doing something right. Like I don't, and I, I do, this is my opinion. I do like the fact that you guys are spinning off the asset to kind of just focus on mining and, and, and whatnot for, for graphite really it's, 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 it's smart for, for dilution perspective. Um, I know we're coming up on time here. Uh, what's the main message, I guess, for, investors just looking to get some kind of exposure into a commodity that's really forward thinking in terms of technology. What, what's sort of like your, your, your short message here? Yeah, I, I think, I think anybody that's worried about downside and valuation, I have to be careful what I say from that perspective, but you know, you've got a graphite asset and we're, while we're spinning it out, we're going to uh, retain the majority stake in that. So that's an underpaying of value for the, for our shareholders you obviously, we, we, we've also said what we were going to do and we actually went out and did it. We actually told the market we were going to develop IP, we were going to patent it, and, and we did that. We took the ZenGuard from an idea on the blackboard right through to a technology that we own on our balance sheet as an asset now. So we've executed. We've built out the commercial production facility. All we're waiting for is regulatory approval. We've demonstrated the technology. It, the, and I'm talking about ZenGuard here, 
It is a best-in-class technology. There's no other antimicrobial coatings in the HVAC space that can do anything close to what we have. And we've heard that from not only the regulators, the EPA in the U.S. has you know, confirmed this for us, but from the uh, HVAC filter manufacturers as well. There's a lot of excitement around this right now. It's getting over that regulatory uh, hurdle, and we're in the process of doing that. We've already demonstrated that we could do that. So once we've done that, then it's blue sky because you know the, the HVAC space is you know, 60, 70 billion dollars per annum. It's a massive market. It's not just North America, it's global. And even if we get a small fraction of that market, it's substantial relative to where we are, uh, our market cap right now. So we've got a demonstrated team in place that has executed. We've delivered on everything we said we would. And now we're just in the process of, of the commercialization phase of our business. Oh, it's really exciting. Again, those two catalysts are really getting regulatory approval because that will create a blue sky scenario. I mean, uh, not investment advice, which is just my opinion. I, I do see that the company potentially getting a re-rating too when that does happen. And it's probably going to be a very serious re-rating, maybe above $4 at that point, right? Um, I don't like to comment on stock price. I have to be careful there sure. as well. The market will determine what we're worth, but all I can tell you is, you know, we continue to build value for shareholders and the market will recognize that value. Uh, I, I don't think it's uh, fully understands the Zentech story isn't fully out in the market right now. And we're going to be doing our best to tell that story in the coming days and weeks. No, honestly, as we know, we've been talking about for a while, especially when it comes to these ecosystems is, is the, the lack of storytelling to really also get the younger generation involved more and more is they need to understand the things they're investing in because they all want to be more hands-on and there's a lot of lacking of that storytelling. And it's nice to see an, uh, an energized management team. It's nice to see the, the, the applications and, and the, the ability to explain and articulate the functionality of these projects. So, you know, it's been nice to watch you guys develop over the last couple of years. Yeah. I just well, wish I, I would, I wish I would have bought more at 70 cents at the time. <laughs> Greg, yeah, this is, but hopefully at some point in the future, you'll say, wow, I should have bought more at $2 too. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually the hope, right? It's yeah, they, always, right. they always ask, how'd you get rich? Well, I sold too soon, right? <laughs> Craig, this has been absolutely uh, very informative. Uh, again, thank you to you and Francis for, for, for taking the time to, to obviously update our listeners on this. Where can the listeners find you guys? You can find us, our website is www.zentech.com. And Got we're it. on uh, social media as well. So uh, just look for us and we'll be continuing to put out news as warranted in the coming days and weeks here. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, no, this has been very informative. Greg, thanks so much for coming on. And uh, everybody, we'll see you next time on the New Gen Mindset Podcast. Thank you, guys. Take care. Thanks for having me.